the fabulous WSUM Madison Studios, it's Do It Live, hosted by the Do It Geeks. Today's topic is content distribution and the new media, and why your TV is getting jealous of your computer. Joining us in studio from Dewitt's Digital Media Center, Josh Harder. Along with today's geeks, Ty Christian, Jessica LeGrew, and Sandy Cyberwolf. And now, broadcasting live and local on 91.7 FM and streaming worldwide on WSUM.org, please help me welcome my co-host, Ty Christian. Everybody out there, welcome to Do It Live, the most connected radio show on the planet. Yow! I'm your host, Ty Christian. Thanks for joining us this wonderful Thursday. Oh, it's not that wonderful. It's kind of cold out there. Again, that's terrible. It's uh, just when I was getting ready for uh, for spring. some nice summer, or yeah, spring, I guess. Summer is <laughs> it's a pipe dream from now, huh? So, uh, welcome again to Do It Live. We are the most connected radio show on the planet. We have 16 different ways for you to get in touch with us here. Check out our website, doit.wist.edu forward slash radio, and you can check out all of the different myriad of ways to get in touch with us. Our email is uh, radio at doit.wist.edu. That's radio at doit.wist.edu. Shoot us an email. Uh, and today, as always, we're going to be playing America's favorite game show, Stump the Geek. So if you have a geeky question, if you have something that you think can stump us, please call in, email in, and ask us the question. The person who uh, provides the best uh, question or you know, perhaps a uh, uh, show topic uh, for us to, to touch on here will win themselves a gift card to a retailer. Uh, the retailer uh, is a celestial body and a Milwaukee sports team. Uh, if you put those two together, you'll be able to figure out which one that is. They sell a beverage. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> and there might be one on every corner. So, anyway, with us always with this uh, in the studio. I guess not as always because he was gone last week. Is my main man Jesse the Grew? How's it going, Jesse? Great. Now it's gone the last two weeks. Two weeks. Oh my gosh, the weeks are just running together for us here, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, uh, Adam, unfortunately, here is is as out today. Uh, funny story. We were at a cafe, and uh, the uh, the waiter was a he told us he was a chemist that he just recently got laid off and so he was a waiter at the at the thing so i said oh you're a chemist okay well uh bring me some h2o <laughs> you know we had a little laugh there and adam said yeah oh, bring me some h2o too so uh uh the guy Uh-oh. came back and uh he brought me water and adam sulfuric acid so oh. uh, we hope adam is doing well he's in the hospital right now recovering from th- throat burns so hope everything is well with adam uh, also in the studio, our, our finally, our wonderful <laughs> producer has a voice behind her now, you know, uh, in the studio, Sandy Cyberlick, finally on the air for the first time, well, for the first time ever in Do It Live history, or were you on before? Uh, just briefly. <laughs> Sandy does a lot of the uh, really difficult work of, uh, you know, setting up guests, getting schedules together, and, uh, you know, reminding us all to stop cursing. So thank you very <laughs> much, Sandy, for all of your hard work. We're glad to have you as a guest geek. Thanks for the this nice week. welcome. Yeah, and also with us in the studio, uh, the main man from the DMC, Josh Harder. Hi, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Cool, cool. So uh, for the, you know, for our, as, as the top of the hour, at the top of our show here is our uh, widely critically acclaimed 
uh, Pulitzer Prize winning part of the Do It Radio show, The News with Jesse LeGrew. So dramatic. <laughs> Intense. So the one of the biggest things uh, probably recently uh, is the uh, AT&T um, acquiring T-Mobile. Ooh. Um, Does it... It went d- through? Like No, well, it's, it's no. going to take... Some their uh, plan is to have it done within 12 months. Oh, okay. Some people are saying that's a little bit ambitious, um, but it's you know going forward they're going to go through the process and see what happens. Um, there's a few issues just because people are going to be looking into um, just antitrust matters yeah. and everything else. Um, the biggest reason that AT and T said they bought T-Mobile is really to take advantage of their network um, to yeah, gain better better service for all their existing Yay. customers. As an AT&T <laughs> subscriber. And uh, some more 4G action, right? That's yep. what they're going to use them for. Partially. Um, they're actually using a lot of different networks, so they're, it's going to give them um, a lot of different technologies and wider coverage. Hopefully it'll improve um, some of the AT&T service, uh, at least in higher populated areas or rural areas. Actually, it would be cool if uh, one of the technologies they steal is that automatic transition over to Wi-Fi when you're talking in your home if you have a weak cell phone signal. That would be like one of the coolest technologies. So that's something that T-Mobile's had for a while. Does the merger come with the lady in the dress that tells you about how the phones are cool? <laughs> it may. Oh man. Does, doesn't it scare you guys though? I mean, come on. It be what a big three then? Or well, it's mainly. Um, it would be a, a big three, mainly a big two and a little three. Yes. Um, yeah. But some people are concerned because of prices. Uh, some yeah. people are stating that prices could go lower. Um, some people are saying that prices will go higher just because you have a lack of options and we can jack up the price. Um, or like in the case of Ryzen, it'll go higher and we won't exactly give you what you are thinking you're going to get, like uh, the data plans and how they start capping them and stuff like that. Right. And yeah. even with um, a lot of the T-Mobile plans, they've been uh, fairly competitive. They've been able to keep prices fairly low, which would help, you know, bring people in there uh, a lot of t-mobile um subscribers may be concerned if this happens how is it going to affect them mm-hmm. um a lot of people are concerned obviously mainly with price but also you know maybe i'll get better service will it, will it get worse um i guess we'll see whenever it actually happens if it does happen you know if it was a merger instead of an acquisition it would have been an easy like name switchover could it just could have been at and t mobile interesting but mm. good synergy yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh it hurts. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Thank, thanks for that. Horrible joke of the day brought to you by... Synergy <laughs> is the secret word. <laughs> All right, Jesse, what do we got up next? Um, well, there are some little issues with just bringing up antitrust issues with Microsoft and Internet Explorer. Um, so this is a weekly topic, I take it? Uh, not really. <laughs> I mean, even with antitrust um, lawsuits and everything else, Microsoft has done extremely well um, over the past few years to... Um, make sure they don't run into any issues or a lot of other um, steps they have to go through uh, mm-hmm. to get things done. Um, one of the biggest issues, obviously, they came into antitrust was because of IE. It, they built in their OS, and you know you're you're having issues with other people trying to make a browser. You know whether it's Netscape, which is gone, um, uh, Firefox, Chrome. You know we have all those out there, but you know this is a, another good thing because Firefox Four just came out, yeah. and. Um, uh, when IE I, nine, yeah, IE nine just came out, and they said, "Oh, you know, on Microsoft's page, we have 2.3 million downloads in the mm. first 24 hours." Woo! Um, was so, that, was that more or less than three? Do you know? No, nah? all right, I couldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> wait, more, wait, what? 
uh, for Firefox 4? Well, Firefox 4, um, 4 point, ooh, see, it was 3 million, Okay. Um, I believe, right now. Um, and actually, from the uh, information that I saw before... Oh, he's bringing up a graph. Unfortunately, we can't show it to you. <laughs> Can you just point it at the microphone? <laughs> nerd alert, guys, nerd alert. It's bringing up a graph. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, I mean, so far, um, Firefox is doing much better in downloads than they have with um, oh, yeah, totally. with IE9. Oh. Um, a lot of people, I think, really do like Firefox and Chrome probably more than IE, but IE9 is still one of the, the biggest um, browsers out there. Yeah, and, and I mean, for the most part, because it comes with the system. You know, right. you don't have to download it. You don't have to do anything with it. Everybody's got Internet Explorer. Not everybody has Firefox or Chrome or you know, what have you on there. But, you know, I remember back in the, you know, six, seven, IE six, seven, eight days, it was sort of a, it was a difficult thing for web, you know, web developers and that kind of stuff to, to deal with the differences between, you know, browsers, especially with IE. Myself personally, well, you know, when building a web page, I'd have to make a, uh, like a, a style, you know, uh, change for Internet Explorer that would, you know, not reflect in Firefox or any of the other browsers. Yeah. And it depended on the version of Internet Explorer. Yeah, too. you'd have to yeah. basically build... You had to build, test everything. You'd yeah. have to build your scripts for every flavor of Internet Explorer to make sure it was completely compatible. But the other browsers, you just did, did you know, one thing and boom, you're done. So what, what, what is really interesting is their stance on Windows XP support, right? Because Microsoft basically says, mm -hmm. nope. Nothing. We're not going to do. You should upgrade to Windows 7, which from their standpoint makes sense because they want people to upgrade to Windows 7. But then from the uh, browser market share, it doesn't make sense because Firefox is like, hey, Windows XP people, mm -hmm. you know you hate Vista and 7. Stay <laughs> on there and get Firefox, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and actually, uh, to correct that stat, it was 4.7 million for oh, downloads ah. for Firefox nice, 4. Nice. And we should also mention for people that actually use um, Whiskmail Online, hmm. we recommend Firefox for... Ultimate performance. What's really even for the so ultimate performance, we <laughs> recommend <right>. Firefox. <laughs> ultimate, ultimate. All right. So the other, I'm a Zune user, even though I have a MacBook sitting in front of me. So right now, like Apple people are screaming so, everywhere. So you're I one of the extinct, uh, the people going no, extinct. I, I love the Zune. Zune service. I don't use the oh, Zune device. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I use it on my Xbox 360. I use it on my computer, um, et cetera, et cetera. What's really funny is I downloaded the IE9 RC. And the Zune web interface is supposed to closely emulate the downloadable program, but mm. it wouldn't work in IE9, but it would work just fine in Firefox for RC, Very which, which I find funny. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Microsoft. Oh, it's, it's like they just, you know, they don't talk to each other down the hall or something. Well, you know, I've been to Microsoft. It's a pretty big place, uh, and there's a lot of people there. Mm. That's all I have to say. They, they do give out free soda as much as you can drink. At Microsoft, hmm. my uh, my fiance's brother works at Microsoft, so we got to see his, his cubicle, which is actually a nice little office. And does he have a Segway? No, he does not have a Segway oh, yet. Yet, I'm pretty sure that he's going to get one soon. But is it just me, or where like did Segways replace jetpacks for like the? I'm still waiting on my jetpack for, <laughs> for tours of uh, tourist sites. Exactly for ne nerd tours, you know. Wait, wait, <laughs> jetpacks on Segways. There you go. It'd be even more dangerous than they are now. It'd be a jet. Jet seg, yeah. jet, well, yeah, jetway. You know the who is the creator of the the segway? Uh, yeah, he drove it off a cliff. Right? Yeah, <laughs> he did. That. I mean, we shouldn't laugh, but well. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, okay. So even along the IE nine front, eventually it's going to be released uh, to Windows seven mobile phones. 
um, at Ooh, some point. That's nice. Um, also, which will be released to Windows 7 mobile phones, will be uh, copy and paste. Um, oh, my grandma's going to love that. Which, you know, is interesting because the previous versions of it, 6, 6, 5, I'm not sure about before, you know, had copy and paste in it. Yeah. Um, so they're going to release that with an update. They had some issues with the first update they had in February um, that bricked some phones. Um, yeah, and they had to pull it back right away, didn't they? I think they did. Yeah. Isn't it uh, funny that something phones? Isn't it something that, that f- something? It's funny that something so simple as copy and paste, you know, that's been on computers since the dawn of time, can suddenly break a mobile phone. <laughs> you know? well, I don't know if the original update was a copy and paste update that broke it, oh. but it was definitely an update. That well, okay. I seem to remember hearing was other stuff inside of the yep. same update. But but what's interesting to me, what what scares me the most, I'm um, I'm a recent convert to an Android device from an iOS device, and um, I like the increased flexibility I have with the Android device and the fact that it's been around long enough, unlike Windows Phone 7, it's kind of starting to mature and stuff. What scares me is the precedent that Microsoft is setting for the frequency of which they're going to be doing updates, which is just like, oh, come on. You should push it out more often than that if you're going to be competitive in the cell phone market. How many service packs will you have for your phone? Exactly. And how often do you have to well, do actually, a security update? Because actually, I just got a Windows 7 phone and... Uh, at the first day, um, I actually did have six updates, but they were minor app updates. Oh, okay. So, you know, a navigation but not program OS or something. Not, we should no ask you, update. it's been, what, a couple weeks now that you've had this item? I've had it for uh, four days. Tell us, tell us, four tell days. everybody what the people, you know, all the people listening out there, what, is, you know, the, the brand of phone that you're using right now, the brand new. It's pretty shiny. What is it? Exactly. It, it's a phone. It has Windows 7. Oh. And how how has it been working for you? <laughs> he doesn't want to say. Overall, pretty well. Um, <laughs> but, the, uh, but you don't use Zune on it, like you don't have Zune Pass or anything. No, I have a Windows Live account, and I have a Google account, and I have a Facebook account, and they all link together. And actually, the integration with Contacts for all those uh, different pieces works really, really well. Hmm. So Even, if I were to update my Facebook and say Jesse Legru, best anchor, best news anchor ever, you know, you'd see it on your phone right away, and then you'd give me a high five. I don't know if I'd give you a high five. Uh, you'll have to talk to the Facebook guys about that to add that in there. You know, the high five instead of the like. Or yeah, anything next else. to the thumb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, well, on, on your Windows Phone 7, um, are you a Google Voice user by any chance? I am, but I uh, I use it for different things. Okay, but, but have you <laughs> tried out any of the Google Voice app? <laughs> different things mean no. robocalls. <laughs> I, I use I use Google Voice mainly to redirect, but I don't use it as a, oh, okay. an, an outfacing you know voice service. Hmm. Um, so I use it to trick people more than I do <laughs> to actually use it. So does that mean every time you answer the phone, you laugh at them and they don't know why? <laughs> well, you know, there's there's call screening, um, uh, text, and voice forwarding, mm-hmm. um, but I don't use it as a primary number to dial out, mm-hmm. whether it's with another Google Voice user or anything else. And they may have a Google Voice application. You know, I have the flashlight, which is you know cool. Do you have the lighter? The flashlights. Wait, like it lights your cigarettes? What? No, it's a, li- it's a lighter that you can <laughs> hold up at yeah. concerts. Uh, I've, I've got it. Yeah. Did you just take a picture of me with your phone? I could. He's oh. Turning on his flashlight. Oh, he's turning on his flashlight. Oh. Oh, it's an actual flash. I thought it was just the screen turning on. So for the people out there uh, in Radio Land who can't see this, the, uh, the actual the flash on the back of the phone camera, uh, you can turn it on f- as a flashlight instead of using the screen Jesse. to illuminate what you're looking at. So that's that's interesting. That's a that's a cool idea. The iPhone is jealous at this point. Oh yeah. Aww. 
Wait, don't you have a an app for that? <laughs> Not uh, yet, but I will. Have. I do have an I do have the lighter app, and I use that at concerts quite quite frequently. <laughs> you know, people all holding up their real lighters, and me with my digital lighter. Everybody I, laughs. I did just imagine a cell phone with a flame coming out of the top of it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all you app developers, get working on that. Just overheat the processor a little bit. Boom, lighter oh, yeah. lighter <laughs> app right there. Yeah. So uh, Jesse, any any more news? Anything else we got? Going uh, there's, I don't know. There's always more news. Everything's, There's nothing going on at all. Um, let's see. Well, the PS3 hacker, we talked about him a little bit mm -hmm. a while ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, he sabotaged his hard drives, and then he left. Um, he had to hand his hard drives over to Sony for um, just evidence uh, for the uh, right. the hearing. Um, the hard drives did not have controllers in them. Um so he just gave over hard drives that were basically non-functional. And then he, uh, <laughs> he did leave the country. Um, he went to South America. Um, right. Now, whether he went just to visit or he left because he was fleeing, I mean, that's, I don't think, uh, some people are concerned that he was fleeing. Some people just said, you know, he went to South America. I don't think there was an issue of him actually leaving the country mm -hmm. at, the, at the time. Um, but he did mail the controllers back to Sony, so they oh, the that's nice. Maybe he went to meet up with the Do It Geek that's in South America. That, that could oh no, be. that's Central America. I, if you look at his image on Wired.com, I think it's fairly evident he fleed. Look at those eyes; he's just <laughs> piercing oh. through you. It's 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 fear. <laughs> it's obviously fear. Sony is coming after me. <laughs> All right, well, that was Jesse with the news. I want to remind everybody out here that we are playing Stump the Geek all day. The people that call in uh, have a chance to get a $25 gift certificate to a beverage vendor uh, that sells beverages that will wake you up in the morning. So contact us. Our phone number is 608-515-8768. That's 608-515-8768. You can email us at uh, radio at doit.wist.edu. That's radio at doit.wisc.edu. And uh, in the studio with us right now, we've got, uh, they're just coming in here, Jeff. Uh, oh, am I doing this? Right, right. Yeah, I got the right name this time. Okay, Jeff Borer and Peter Mann. And uh, you guys, uh, uh, you guys basically, now that you're up to the mics here, you guys basically uh, provide a lot of the backbone of, you know, Learn EW and kind of like our streaming service, don't you? Yeah, but we do do that. Uh, actually, and, and to some extent, what we're positioned to do is provide hosting services for uh, administrative units and instructors on campus here. So for uh, students, we don't actually provide direct accounts and access for them. They have other uh, means by, by which they can share their content. But when you go to the front door of wherever you're going and saying, I need to go see a course... Ultimately, they're accessing your stuff. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, an instructor can provide content within the context of their personal website. Um, it could be a Learn at UW uh, course. It could be any anywhere that uh, they post content. And so if they see the streaming material, content, video, audio, what have you, that we provide the, the back end for that. Uh, we do that centrally here at UW-Madison. And Peter's group, as much as he works on the back end of things, our group works more with uh, instructors who are actually using the technology in their courses. So we try to uh, connect them with the support they need, help consult with them on uh, the appropriate technology to choose for their online courses. I was going to ask, is it, is it difficult to set up, you know, like a streaming lecture or a streaming, you know, PowerPoint, that kind of stuff for professors? Well, there's a number of options uh, from the very simple uh, record your voice over PowerPoint, mm -hmm. which for some is extremely complicated and technical. <laughs> 
you know, to a more complex uh, lecture capture system and an automated approach to capturing what's going on in the classroom. And you guys have to know how to support and like put together any number of uh, technologies like that. Is that correct? We do, but it, thankfully it's not just us because okay. <laughs> we represent highly skilled groups that have uh, a number of staff that are specialized in these areas. So, In most cases, it, it really is dependent upon the needs. So once you do a, a solid needs assessment, you can then tailor the technology to then meet whatever objective or goals that the instructor has. So I've heard that you know streaming services and taking courses online has been increasing pretty steadily in the past years. Can you speak on that at all and kind of like you know what you've been seeing as, uh, as that popularity has been increasing? Yes, we do know nationally and even on our campus, uh, the use of online courses, distance education is rapidly growing. Regarding the service that Peter and I represent, which is the Learn at UW online course system, we now have at Madison um, a couple thousand courses each semester using it to deliver online materials. Uh, these could be traditional classes uh, that are supplemented with online materials, or they could be fully online courses that are delivered through Learn at UW. Or one of the cool trends is the use of uh, hybrid courses, which is really a a robust combination of traditional and online. And this technology might also be suitable for different learning styles. So those that really respond to visuals, um, those that uh, respond to uh, what they're hearing or reading, uh, it really does uh, provide some opportunities. Mm -hmm. So this is the new trend to do courses online because how passe is it to go in and actually have to sit in a lecture hall and listen to <laughs> oh. a professor? I mean, Why wouldn't, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you rather sit around in your dorm room and your PJs munching a bowl of cereal and, and watching your class on your computer? I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a trend. I think it, it's the reality that online education is here to stay. And so instructors are challenged with finding the, as Peter said, the appropriate method for teaching, whether it's traditional face-to-face seminar-style problem-based learning or whether it's a fully online course. And, you know, students are finding out, too, that they need a special skill set, skills that they may not have come to campus with as far as taking online courses and uh, being disciplined, staying on top of their readings, communicating in a completely different environment than face-to-face classrooms. So it's a, it's a, new, um, a new game for many people. Um, and thankfully, the university has invested in resources to support both instructors and students that are stepping into this um, new arena. Would you work with professors to do to do that? Have you ever made anything you know custom, or do you mostly work off of templates that you guys have or, or software that you guys have? Well, we we definitely don't have any prepackaged templates. Uh, you know, our bread and butter uh, or our, our sweet spot, so to so to speak, is to listen to the instructors, find out what their uh, goals are for their course, and then um, make suggestions based on their uh, their technical skills, their interests, their ability to commit time to redesigning courses. Uh, there are a number of courses, universities outside of UW Madison that that are buying into sort of a prepackaged curriculum of mm-hmm. sorts that's very powerful, very appealing, very robust, but I just don't see that trend happening here at UW-Madison. We have faculty and instructors that are uh, high caliber, top-notch, and they take great pride in designing their own courses. So, but we, do, we do work on mixing and matching resources and putting together kind of the digital version of the traditional course pack. 
And it allows students um, and even adult returning students to engage uh, whenever they have time. So try to accommodate learning in their schedule to the extent that they can, which I think is pretty fantastic. Recalling back to when I was a student here, uh, we did not have this type of technology. And it was just lugging a bunch of books around, going to the library, maybe having an impromptu discussion with other students, but not having this kind of environment where I can engage in, in learning and exploring different ideas and topics with others at a time that would be convenient to me. Yeah, and I think that students above all are looking for flexibility in their schedules. They're as busy as ever with work outside of school. There's uh, tons of uh, extracurricular activities that they're involved with. So they're just looking for that extra scheduling flexibility. We're finding a lot of UW-Madison students are taking our own courses here on campus. So instead of registering for the face-to-face section, they're registering for the online version, yet they're just living a few blocks from where the class is being held. So they're looking for the flexibility in addition to the segment of students that Peter just mentioned. But that is a challenge that administrators have to wrestle with, which is the competition out Mm -hmm. there for students. And um, obviously, we do value what's going on on our campus. There's more to learning and getting an education than printing off that certificate and hanging it on a wall, you know. Good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, we make light of this, but Mm -hmm. University of Blank, their diploma and their online courses do not necessarily reflect the quality of what's available through UW-Madison and their online courses. How did you know I went to University of Blank? We don't, we're trying to be non-biased and (laughs) not pick on people. That's what it says on your diploma, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> University of Blank. Yeah. Sergei's University, University of Blank. American dollars. <laughs> Not all online educations are created equal. Yep. That's very Absolutely. true. Absolutely. Jeff Bohr, Peter Mann, thank you so much for coming in and chatting with us. Oh, really happy to be here. It. Thank you. It's our Yay. privilege to be in the presence of the geeks. Thanks. It thank is. You yeah, much. thank you for we having us here. Well, thank you guys very much. And, you know, I, I'm sure the adept radio listener will say to themselves, gee, that's strange. Ty said that Adam was uh, was out, and all of a sudden here he is in the studio talking. Well, you know, I tried to, I actually tried to slip one by you guys, so, uh, but, you know, that uh, I, I got caught up in it. Those, that was actually pre-recorded, so hopefully, uh, hopefully that won't tarnish my reputation as a wonderful broadcaster here. But, yes, I apologize for that one, for slipping that one by you guys. Uh, so we are still doing Stump the Geek. We still got our geeks in the studio here. If you have a question, if you have a comment, if you have a concern, if you have a query uh, or a quagmire, call us at 608-515-8768. You could win yourself a wonderful little gift certificate there. We're going to take a break, and we will be right back with more Do It Live!
Safety glasses, chaps, earplugs, thick work gloves, chaps, chaps and, and boots. Always hold the saw at waist level or below and make sure that others remain far away. If you are cut, put direct pressure on the wound to stop bleeding and get medical help as soon as possible. To learn more, call, call the, the CDC, CDC at 1-800-CDC-INFO. If you must use a chainsaw, work chaps. chaps. 
Currently, there are 129,000 children in the public child welfare system waiting to be adopted. These children deserve a chance to grow up feeling secure and loved and would greatly benefit from the nurturing and support that a permanent family can provide. Unfortunately, approximately 19,000 of these children will age out of the foster care system without ever having the opportunity to be adopted. For advice on adoption and more resources, including a basic overview on the steps to adoption, visit www.adoptuskids.org. And welcome back to Do It Live. That was quite the public service announcement that we had there. <laughs> uh, the most connected radio show on the planet. Uh, check us out on the on the web at doit.wist.edu forward slash radio. Give us a call at 608-515-8768. If you have a question to stump our geeks, you could win yourself a wonderful, wonderful uh, gift card to a retailer, uh, which sells a beverage that wakes you up in the morning, uh, whose name we will not say. Uh, so here in uh, in the studio with us right now, we've got Josh Harder, who is the main man of the DMC. Now, DMC uh, that is not the avant-garde Japanese uh, uh, movie Detroit Metal City, nor is it the, the rap run. group that performed with Aerosmith. Oh man! I, you yeah. know, I was I had all my questions ready for that. <laughs> I, you know, could you? I mean, do you? How how is Steven Tyler? Is he nice? Uh, I. I you know, I, yeah, I, he's the new Paula, so I'm okay. not really digging him so much. But well, at least I could ask that one. Yeah, but yeah. So uh, <laughs> before we get into all the all the talk about the new media, the streaming media, that kind of stuff, uh, we have to have you uh, read our disclaimers on the on the on the air here to disclaim anything that you're about to say or anything that I have said previous previous to this disclaiming. I probably should have read this first. Okay, the opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Products and services provided by the Division of Information Technology, a.k.a. DOIT, and other university departments, as well as drawings and giveaways, may only be available to students, faculty, staff, or those currently affiliated with UW-Madison. Participants of this broadcast may offer opinions or recommendations. However, they do not endorse, nor has any consideration been provided on behalf of the products or services discussed. That was excellent. Yay. Very good job. Oh, Very oh good thank job. you. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Can, can I tell people what DMC stands Please for? Please do. Say <laughs> it. <laughs> um, it's the Digital Media Center. We're uh, located in the Biotechnology Center, which is 425 Henry Mall. Um, it's in room 3130. And we do really fun things with faculty, staff, and graduate students. We're a free service that shows them mainly how to do um, neat tech geeky things like video editing, website design, uh, um, you name it, we pretty much help it, help you when it comes to computers. So anything with like digital media in it, correct? You, you guys, media. you would be the center for that. Yes, is what you're saying. We would be the center that assists with new media. That's amazing. So, okay, so yes. tell. Um, so, new media is the topic of our show today, <laughs> and that's kind of a nebulous term. New media. Uh, can very... you can you tell us what you know? New media might be. Um, I I would say that new media is anything that um, doesn't have physical. Uh, media with it, like uh, a VHS tape, a DVD, um, anything like that. Basically, if you don't have to press play on a deck and put something in, I oh. would call it new media. And it's not necessarily video or audio or any of those traditional things. It could also be, you know, the written word. It could be, you know, tweets and things like that. It's uh, any kind of media, uh, e-books, uh, anything like that. So you're saying my old VHS tape of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, is old media. Oh, but it's so special. I know. Corey Feldman. Cor yeah, he was he in that? He did one of the voices, Donatello. That's, I had that's my no pointless idea. trivia for the day. 
Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> I forgot that. Oh, I, I was a TMNT fan. Oh, oh my gosh. Huge. Anyways. That's amazing. Um, yeah, so if you still have the VHS tapes, mm-hmm. this is where I do my shameless promotion. One Ooh. of our free services we have at the DMC is we digitize materials, university-related materials for our, our clients. So if I was in a Film 101 class and I was going to show Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the VHS tape, you could help me. Make that into new media. We could assist you with the new media, yes. Okay. Yes. What and I mean, do you guys do like slides, projectors, yep. you know, that kind of stuff? Yep. So um, when it cam- when it comes to analog media, that's what we call the tape stuff. So 16 millimeter film reels. We actually have a 16 millimeter projector. I, <laughs> I love it when our 18 year old staff, like um, we're. Uh, a majority of our staff is undergraduates that they assist with uh, our clients. I love it when they get a reel of something in and they go, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> <laughs> this is older than me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we do uh, all different kinds of uh, video media, audio media. We also do uh, bulk digitization of 35 millimeter slides, which is really helpful helpful for a lot of researchers because – you know, back before PowerPoint and stuff like that, you used to have a slide carousel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My mom actually, uh, it, it, she's a physical therapist, and she travels around the country doing uh, stuff with, like, the foot and ankle. Uh, and she has done uh, these PowerPoint pre- or these slide presentations for years. And mm-hmm. yeah, it must have been maybe, like, I don't know, uh, eight years back or something. I said, Mom, look, you know, uh, 13-year-old me at the time was like, Mom, listen. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You gotta stop with this slides, you know, stop because she. Stop insanity! It's uh, stop it. Yeah, was probably, my voice is probably cracking Push a little bit more. Like, Mom, please stop with the slides, you know, because uh, she would wake up before these, you know, presentations at like six in the morning, and she'd have to by hand reorder the slides. And, you know, we put PowerPoint together for her, and oh, my oh, gosh. The pain. And then they were all facing the wrong way anyways, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, it was like, it was like you know, I bought her a new bike for Christmas or something. She was so happy about that. So that's that's <laughs> kind of the, the wonderful type of things that you guys get to do every day. Every single day. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Also, it's uh, we're... It's uh, pretty much a walk-in service where you could just, uh, if you wanted to, our clients could come in at any point in time and just use mm-hmm. one of our, we have really powerful systems so they can sit down and do like video editing and things like that. That's we also awesome. print posters. We have a computer classroom that you could um, basically reserve for free um, during our open hours and mm-hmm. use it for anything like a timetable course or you could use it for like a meeting. Um, we have a Polycom in there that's pretty sweet. Oh, cool. Um, Polycom is the uh, is the kind of a video uh, conferencing video conferencing kind of yep. deal. Yeah, okay. we have these two, two cameras which sometimes creep out the people that are teaching the classroom mm-hmm. because if they accidentally turn it on, it goes like, hello, and gives you this R2-D2 rotate and stare at you thing, and they're, like, afraid of it a little bit. I am watching you. Please continue. (laughs) This will be put on the internet for later use. (laughs) Um, And unfortunately, Obi-Wan doesn't project out of it at any point. Um, You are doing a very good job teaching your biomechanics class. You are my only hope. Um, <laughs> so tell 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 the people listening out there how they can get in contact with the DMC other than the walk-in. You guys have a website. You got yep. a phone number. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So um, the best place to get a bunch of info is our website, which is dmc.wisc.edu. Um, and there you can actually request time in the computer classroom. We have a form for it and stuff. We also have a phone number. We're at two six five four eight one seven, and you can email us at dmc at doit. And we should probably stress for all the you know students listening out there that this this service is only for mm-hmm. instructional materials, only for you know uh, faculty, staff, and graduate students. So sorry 
Sorry, all you undergrads out there, you you cannot use the DMC. That was that was the thing that just broke my heart yeah. when I was an undergrad. We get a wah wah wah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do I have one here? I don't I've know. Got a, I've got a balloon pop. Oh, I popped oh. my balloon of happiness. But we should mention that many of these types of equipment are available in the computer labs on yes, campus. In That's the true. Info labs. In the so. info lab system, um, we collaborate a lot with them, uh, and there's just a good team. You know, you can go to their website and find web. You can find uh, video cameras all across campus, mm-hmm. laptops, mm-hmm. et cetera. It's really good. So as a, you know, as a person who deals with new media all the time, let's talk a little bit about the new media that's, that's kind of like integrated into our lives right now. Let's, let's talk about something like Netflix. Mm, Netflix. Now, we said at the top of the show, you know, why your computer <laughs> would be envious of your TV. Can you, can you kind of talk on that a little bit? Well, I, you know, I, I'm not sure it's completely envious. It, it all depends on how you're consuming your media. So, uh, you know, I, I think younger people, like you get the 18-year-old that's in college right now, they pretty much just sit on their laptop and they consume media. It's a very singular activity. They just sit there. Um, I'm making it sound really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> they just Alone sit there. in a room. Alone. Netflix, it's the new version no of No Lights On. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, but so, you know, they're, they're consuming the media that way. But then if you bump up an age bracket, like maybe, I don't know, am I in that age bracket anymore? I'm 32. So I don't know if that's the next what? age bracket. How old are you, Sonny? <laughs> I can't remember. In, in 1922. My, in my day. Um, so we use kind of like a hybrid system where like, you know, sometimes you're comp- connecting your computer to the TV uh-huh. um, and like basically the computer and the TV are one in harmony um, and then maybe if, if you bump up another age back or maybe in the same category it just like I said it depends on how you consume your media you're using these things that are like set top boxes that are connected to your TV like uh, like my Ro- TiVo exactly oh uh, TiVo Roku uh, Apple TV um, things like that you know mm-hmm. um, and then after that I would say uh you might still be using a VCR. No. Yeah. <laughs> Going to the theater. <laughs> me, me, and me and my VHS tapes of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But, but I mean, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting because a lot of the, a lot of the TVs that you can buy nowadays yeah. come with Netflix inside of them. You don't have to yeah. install anything. And I was very surprised to find when I bought my brand new TV uh, a couple years ago that my TV had an Ethernet port on it. Mm-hmm. That you know that floored me. I, I was like, "What am I going to use this for?" So now your computer's jealous of your TV. Right? I I know. Well, well, look at that big screen. I mean, I am one of the people <laughs> that has a uh, a media center computer that I hook up to the TV, I and they live well. in in harmony. You know, mm-hmm. sing Disney songs with each other, that kind of thing. That, what's the you know at, at Do It We Like Our Acronyms? Is that the HTPC? I can't remember the acronym. HTPC? Is that what it is? That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Um, home theater PC or yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. Hot now what about the whole PC? I don't know <laughs> iPad I've the smartphone you know getting your media that way see that's an interesting way too and it's good once again if you're by yourself but if you're entertaining people you're not gonna watch it on an iPad you could you could use Apple's technology uh, was airplay where you could stream it to different uh, devices which there's actually rumors going on now that airplay uh, Apple's gonna start licensing airplay to be included in mm-hmm. TVs just like Netflix and Hulu and all that other stuff that's cool uh, yeah and I, I'm finding that's an interesting way to consume as well because you take something that's very personal and then you display it for everyone else. Like, um, 
Uh, like, so, uh, for example, I was at a birthday party a couple of weeks ago, and there were some YouTube clips we wanted to watch. So I actually, on my uh, Android smartphone, I popped up a little uh, media streaming server, and I was able to play YouTube clips streamed over the network to my friend's 360 so everyone could watch it. So I think that's the nerdiest thing I've, I've heard this entire week. I think I lost consciousness. I think you, I think you win, <laughs> sir. <laughs> you win. <laughs> All my friends right now are like, I remember that. <laughs> what this was so great. This is a testament to modern technology. I had no clue how to do that right before. And I was like, there's got to be some sort of app out there. So I just did an Android market search. I was like, wow. okay, got it and had it set up in five minutes. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, one, one more thing I want to touch on about new media before we take yes. a break is sort of the, you know, the darker side to new yes. media, the nefarious DRM. side. It, well, yeah, we could talk about DRM, I suppose. Well, I, I consider DRM one of the darker DRM, sides. I would, too. You know, I, I guess let's, let's just touch What's on that real quick. What's your dark side? Well, my, I was going to say dark side is, you know, the, the mega videos, the people streaming, uh, uh, streaming uh, episodes of, say, House, you know, over uh, these these servers that are set up in China that you can, you know, watch this stuff without uh, any commercials, nobody gets any money, that kind of stuff. Ah, uh, that you know, dark evil side. The dark evil side. I, it, it's there, yeah. and I, I think no matter what, it's always going to be there. Basically, uh, one of the things we like to warn our clients at the DMC is if it's on a computer screen, computer screen, someone can steal it. If you truly don't want your content to be taken, well, then you're not going to be able to post it. Right. Because if there's a will, there's a way. So whether or not they really want to take it, that's a whole other question. But it is, um, I, I think it's always going to be there no matter what. And mm-hmm. it, and that's interesting you bring that up because that's the other side of DRM, right? If, mm-hmm. if there's DRM, there's always going to be someone trying to get around the DRM. Sure. For let's, let's, the listeners, can you say? Right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Dig- digital rights management. Thank you. It's that thing where you can only uh, burn so many songs so many times or you can only play it on certain devices. It's that thing. And some companies have really taken it to an extreme where they will install... Uh, you know, little hooks into your kernel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for 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 those nerds out there that know what I'm talking about. Uh, and, and you know, it'll be really basically, it'll be a really really hard thing to remove from your computer once you've already installed it. Or one of the things I'm most upset about is Netflix and Android devices. Basically, if you have an Android smartphone right now, most people are saying you're not going to be able to use Netflix when it comes out because Netflix um, security is going to be tied to the processor that's coming out in the current and new Android devices. And it is so absolutely annoying, but it's built into the hardware. That is very lame. Are there some special rules that you're well-versed in at the DMC for instructors and their use of educational items um, um, can you expand on that a little bit um, can you use a certain amount of a let's say a movie clip if yeah. you're using it for a class purpose um, well I, you know I'm not gonna dive too deep into sure. fair use I'm not a copyright expert by any means but we, we do um, uh, have a little bit of a discussion about that and we, we talk about you know uh, proper usage and things like that um, Making sure the the venue in which they're displaying it is not one where it could be stolen, you know that mm-hmm. kind of sure. stuff. Um, but yeah, that's a whole sticky law category. That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break here, play play a public service annou- announcement for everybody out there, and then we'll be back talking a little bit more about the new media. What do you do when you're playing chess? What do you do when you're playing chess? You lose! 
Manatees are wonderful. Hi, I'm Alec Baldwin for Save the Manatee Club. Manatees are wonderful. Their gentle, playful ways are fascinating to watch. Yet these harmless marine mammals face growing threats to their survival. Many manatees are injured or killed from boat strikes or other human activities, and their habitat is being lost. Manatees are wonderful. Manatees need your help. Please call Save the Manatee Club at 1-800-432-JOIN or visit www.savethemanatee.org. Manatees, manatee, manatee, wonderful. And we're back on Do It Live after that wonderful manatee PSA. That was amazing. Thank you, Alec Baldwin, for being in the studio here and talking about uh, manatees with us. So... Yes. Uh, all right. So we were talking about the the, the darker side of the new media. Mm. In a, on a cold, dark street at sunset, new media steps out. What does it say to you? <laughs> They're giving me. Where like, are you going with uh, this? You know, D- DRM is where I was going. Maybe. Uh, you scared me. I'm all right. Actually, yeah. If DRM offers you candy, no, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we were talking before we left the break about, um, you know, the types of venues where, you know, certain things can be displayed, certain certain things can be. Do you want to talk on that a little bit more, or I, I, maybe I, I was kind of hoping to take it in a different direction. I'm oh, a video, go for it. I'm a video game geek. I love video games, right? I got a 360, um, a PS3 at home, that kind of stuff. And what do you guys? How do you feel about the downloadable video game as opposed to the video game that's on the disc. I'll tell you how I feel. That's how I feel. I feel very good. Oh, really? You like I li- it? I like it. And the reason I like it, here's the reason I like oh, it. Oh, I got to hear this because I don't really. You don't? Okay. <laughs> I, I know some people don't like downloadable content, but here's why I like it. Um, the downloadable content, the kind of, uh, you know, downloadable distribution, uh, S- Steam and Xbox Marketplace. And this is actually, for all you listeners out there, we're going to be touching on this a little bit more in a future show, a little bit more in depth. But the reason I like it is that you are seeing a lot of these 99-cent games, $5 games, $2 games, $3 games. The indie developers are really going nuts on, on you know, these this marketplace. Games like, uh, like for instance, Angry Birds, you know, oh, yeah, the guy totally. that made that probably is now swimming in millions of dollars. Oh, heck yeah. Scrooge McDuck style. Oh, yeah, like Amazon. Just that's with the Amazon Amazon Marketplace. Um, uh, that was uh, one of the things they opened up Marketplace, uh, App Store, sorry, yeah. with was Angry Birds Rio. The, guy, the guys are making a ton of money. I, I love downloadable video game content mm-hmm. for that reason, getting the indie developer out there. Mm-hmm. What I don't love it for is um, the big studio games like, you know, Dead Space 2 or like, you know, those bigger games. I don't like it for that because I like to loan and borrow and, <laughs> you know, I like to buy the used version of the game. All that goes away if there is no physical media for video games. And it, they just want to control the entire market. I see. I the see. evil they being, you know, Microsoft. The evil they. The guys in the in the back rooms in the. Oh, am I allowed to say that? They're controlling. You, you can reread the, uh, the disclaimers <laughs> as you, you say are, that. You are, yeah. You are, you know, very disclaimed at this point. So. Sorry. I, you could say whatever you I'm want. I'm going to be really. kicked off already. Wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess. I guess that's. You, you know, know what I'm saying? Like for the I, indie I game, I what love you're those. Saying. I consume those all the time. Like, um, you know, Explosion Man. I have yeah. tons of Super Meat Boy. Yeah, exactly. That kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jesse is just shaking his head. He doesn't know what we're talking about. Oh, so I, we uh, Super well. Meat Boy is just amazing in so many levels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got a Meat Boy fan over here. Jesse likes the Meat Boy, huh? 
We might as well be talking He's about. Give me oh. the wor- the worst eyes right now. I wish I wish radio had video right now. This is amazing. So I actually think you could hear those eyes. Yeah, those yeah. Video, yeah. With these wonderful microphones, you probably can. But anyway, um, you know, I don't know. I like being able to download the big games, and I, I understand where you're coming from. Where you know, I like you like to share them with your friends or swap games or whatever for the weekend, but. On another level, we got to look at it uh, to, you know, this is kind of the new way of, of distribution. Uh, for for instance, Steam, you know, has these kind of crazy prices, crazy sales, where you can buy a, a game that came out That's three, true. four weeks ago for half the price of what you could buy, buy it in a store. And the reason is they don't have to worry about packaging. They don't have to worry about middleman. They don't have to worry about this and that and the other Utilities, thing. Utilities. Uh, exactly. Bricks. And yeah. Bricks. There's yeah, no yeah. bricks. There's no mortar. There's not even a, you know, the, the Mason guys are on strike because they're angry about downloadable. I'm a little old school with it, but you don't actually own it. You, well, eh. No, you don't. When it comes down eh. to it, if they decide that they don't want you to have, what was it with Amazon? Uh, one of the books that all of a sudden... Oh, <laughs> Sorry, a, um, a book, a book, uh, and an ebook. Where basically they decided, oops, okay, we don't exactly have the rights to that, and so then they pulled it away from everyone mm. because some sort of licensing thing was messed up, and you don't own it. Like people think they own it, but they don't. If you read the end user license agreement, mm-hmm. no, nah. huh? They have control over your media, well, and that's it, how they want it. Doesn't they. it differ from? <laughs> doesn't it differ from distribution service to distribution service too? Because I mean, there it was a, there was an issue with that specifically on Steam. Uh, oh yeah, you know where people are like, well, do I own these games? If Steam shuts down in fifteen years, do I still own them? Do I still can I still play them? Wasn't one person kicked off of there because he was trying to re-download all his games? Yeah, or I can't yeah, remember what it was. something like that. Yeah. It's, it all depends on the end user license agreement, and they write them in such an ambiguous way so mm-hmm. that they pretty much have a clause in there that says we can do whatever we want to when we want to with your content. I so see. once again, we should be reading some of these end user yes, license agreements. Yes, everybody read yeah. those 47-page documents right. in legalese start oh, yes. to finish. And we will be touching on this That's in a... This. You know, we're going to be touching on this in a future show. Maybe we could have you back. I'd love and, to. And you know, talk a little bit more in depth about this. I think that'd be awesome. So um, even though Adam uh, is, uh, let, let's one more time before we go. What is the uh, w- website and phone again for the DMC? Uh, thank you. It's dmc.wisc.edu, and the phone number is two six five four eight one seven, and our email address is dmc at doit.wisc.edu. All right. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. And you know, Adam is not here today. Uh, lucky guy. You know, a couple minutes before radio show, you know, got on, got an email. Can't believe this from a Nigerian prince. It, it, you know, I mean, that does not happen every day. So he, of course, got on a charter jet right away to, to fly over there to pick up some sort of a inheritance or something. I don't know. But I'm very happy for him. Can't wait till he gets back. That'll probably be next week, hopefully. Uh, until then, he cut us a nice little closing uh, for use pre-recorded. Isn't that right, Adam? That's right, Ty. Special thanks go to our management team at the Division of Information Technology. Perry Brunelli, Edward Hoover, Brian Kister, Jack Leepak, Ty Leto, Neil Mack, Diane Mann, Howie Mead, Mark Nessel, Brian Rust, and Bill Zimmerman. The Director of User Services is Kathy O'Brien. Dewitt's Chief Operating Officer is John Krogman. And our Interim CIO and Vice Provost for Information Technology is Joanne Berg. Today's broadcast was produced by Ty Christian, Sandy Cyberlick, and Adam Wiesenfarth, with assistance from Laura Grady and Dan Collins, Matthew Siriani, and the Nates, Harrison Weber, and Zastro. Our on-air producer and Director of eCommunications is Matt Rockwell, and our theme music is from Conan. The executive producer of Do It Live is Jesse LeGrew. 
Join us next Thursday at 2 p.m. right here on 91.7 FM WSUM, where we're going to be talking about technology and the performing arts, how we get all of that backstage magic to look really good out front for the audience. We hope you join us then, and also join us on our website at www.doit.wist.edu slash radio. We got podcasts aplenty. We'll see you next Thursday at 2. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Checkbook's overdraw.